This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to uh, speaking to you in just a tick with a couple of guys. It's going to be our mid-year power rankings situation, so we're going to find out exactly how everyone feels about how things are going for 2019. Richard Quayle and Mark Walker to join me. Right, time to bring in our power rating experts into the conversation. Uh, Richard Crail from theroastalk.com. Day, Crazy. Oh, Shebeki, the power rankings are a juggernaut that cannot be stopped. Uh, six months in, halfway through the year, it's the must-read column after every round of the supercars, we think, anyway, uh, in our little world. Uh, so we thought we'd take it to radio and do a, do a mid-year power rankings just to stew the, stir the pot, see what's going on. Very, like very much looking forward to this. Mark Walker, good day to you. Shebex, Krausey, uh, have we got the lawyers on speed dial? <laughs> <laughs> we won't need them. Well, no, we've, we've managed to avoid any legal action so far this year, at least Good publicly. Night. Yeah. All right, so the yeah. power rankings for those that haven't seen it, you've missed out on some good stuff, uh, are done after pretty much every supercars round, and we do a hot and not effectively, and we ask the audience what their thoughts are, compile it all together, and we come up with the power rankings for the weekend. So what we thought we'd do this time round, as I mentioned earlier, is we thought we'd do a mid-year power rankings, just to see how everyone's tracking. So let's start with the first of the hots, gentlemen. Uh, Richard, what do you bring to the table? Uh, I would like to offer up Super 3. Ooh. Super 3 is not we, just hot, it is burning on fire. Can we put a disclaimer it, here that you actually work for the category? Yep, you okay, can, cool. I call it. But uh, even if I was at home on the couch, it would still be hot. It's a great championship. It's just, it's been electrified. The, the name change is one thing, and, and the fact that it's got a ringing endorsement from supercars now as well is great, and it's, it's helped streamline that ladder series up through the supercar ranks. But the racing has been phenomenal. There's seven or eight young kids in that championship now that are driving every race like it's their last, like it's their massive opportunity. And that has just provided over the first couple of rounds extraordinary motor racing. So uh, very, very hot Super 3. Love it. Yeah, it certainly is. And the other thing, Mark, with Super 3, and and I suppose what I'd like to see, and, and while I agree with you, Richard, that it is hot, Mark, I'd like to see... Super 3, Super 2 become actual development categories where the winner of the category, and we've said this for a long time for Super 2, the winner of the category gets a drive in the next category up for the next year. Well, that makes sense, doesn't Just it? Just automatic. I mean, we've got, we've got ladder systems everywhere around the world, and in Australia it always used to be you go and do Formula Ford and then you'd step up. But if you have a nicely defined thing there, and I mean, we've got nice numbers, 3, 2, and 1, Let's do it. Let's make it a thing. And, I mean, you've got lots of teams that cross over as well. I mean, I suppose within the sport, you've got these guys who might put the junior mechanics in Super 3 and then they can work through the ranks up into the main game. So uh, I think it's a pretty cool thing. And, obviously, we've got meetings coming up. We've got QR. We're, we're going to have all three series on the same on the same bill, which is going to be fantastic. 
there's going to be there could be seventy supercars there. Wow! So yep. the twenty twenty four or five main game cars, depending on wild cards or whatever might happen there, uh, anywhere between twenty and twenty five super two, and probably twenty two or twenty four super three. It's going to it's going to be a cracking race meeting. That that's a lot of supercars all on one mm. uh, category, no doubt about it. Uh, the other thing, also just on super three, while we're talking about it. Are we are we expecting that down the track all V8 supercar teams should have a Super 2 car and a Super 3 car? Should they have their own development pathways? Uh, well, they basically do, Shebex. And, and I, it, it would be impossible to mandate because it's an expensive thing to do. But Brad Jones Racing are the ultimate example of that. They've got cars in every category. So at, at Queensland Raceway, like Mark just touched on, they're going to run their three main game cars plus their DVS car plus their Super 3 car, uh, multi-car Excellent. Super 3 team. So they're going to be flat out. It, it's in the team's best interest to do it. You can take your cars down. You can own amortise the cost of your car over several seasons. And if you're BJR, for example, and you find a young, talented kid like Josh Fife, you put him in the Super 3 car, learn how to drive, go to Super 2, prove that they can do the job, take them up, they don't have to leave the team. How good's that? Makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll go with another hot mark. What have you got for us? Bathurst 12 out. Oh. Matt Campbell, what a legend. What <laughs> a legend. Have mm. we figured out which of his moves was his best one? Was it the one at Hell Corner, the one at Forest Albert? I like the one at Hell Corner. I mean, ultimately, that one wasn't for the lead of the race right late in the going, but... The way he chucked the dummy there, I think that was an all-time classic Bathurst move. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with that. Uh, mm-hmm. it was a, for starters, it was an outstanding motor race. It was a clean race, record laps, distance, uh, less number of safety cars, et cetera, et cetera. Competition was extraordinary. And we had 24 cars covered by a second in qualifying, and that's GT3 cars, so there's nine different brands involved in that. It was unbelievable. Uh, as for Matt, yeah, uh, entrenched his superhero status in Australian motor racing with that move. And, yeah, I, the, the pass for the lead at the elbow was genius because he did it on a driver who wasn't familiar with Bathurst, so probably didn't quite shut the door firmly enough in knowing that that, that is a great passing opportunity at the top of the mountain. But the move at Turn 1, that was just a full send, Carrera Cup-style move, hope the thing was going to turn in and come from miles back to do the job and sold him a dummy on the entry just just for fun turning into that corner. So it was a great move, a great race. Very, very, very hot indeed. For me, the hot that I bring to the table for this time round is in regards to all categories, whether they be cars or bikes at the moment, for me the hottest category at the moment in the world is MotoGP. Hmm. The racing has just been amazing. Uh, we saw that race at Mugello, I think it was two races ago, where it was effectively a Moto3 race. Ten bikes within a second of each other. It was just crazy stuff. And unfortunately, uh, I'm, I probably shouldn't go with a knot here, but there's a lot of knots around in regards to some categories at the moment. I'm sure we'll cover them a little bit later. But in regards to categories that are just absolutely moving forward at the moment, for me, it's MotoGP. 
it's hard to disagree with you, Shebex. And the Italian Grand Prix was the first race I'd watched in full all season. Uh, so I think I timed my run into <laughs> MotoGP. Well, very <laughs> reasonably well. well. Yeah, but from a from a theatre point of view, it's hard to go past. And uh, the it, it's just got that old school gladiator sort of feeling about it. <laughs> Yeah, bearing in mind that you used to host gladiators, that's a, a perfect uh, little segue there, Shemeki. Um Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, but it, the, the, these guys are hanging on at, at that track. They were doing 350 k's an hour Crazy. down the straight and almost falling off. Um, lead changes every lap. Not every race is a thriller like that, but on balance, most of them are very, very high quality. So it's hard to hard to disagree with that one. So then off the back of that, can I then go with the first of the knots before I hand it over to you guys and, and basically follow off off that? There's some categories around the moment at the moment that are just definitely off the nose. Formula One is one at the moment, I think, for the extent that there's just circulation and that's pretty much it. Same results pretty much every week, give or take whether one driver or the other wins, but it's the same sort of car up the front. Uh, I think... Supercars, and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but for us, I think supercars is getting a little bit that way, even though we're all saying let's enjoy Scotty. I totally understand. But the fact that you've got the same car winning each week is a little bit of a disappointment, I'm sure, for some. Uh, not really that much over the the other categories, such as IndyCar and NASCAR's guys, but from what I see and from what I read, I think they're going down the same sort of track as well. Well, Formula One is and, – and look, we've had dominant seasons before, and this probably covers off supercars and F1. We've had dominant seasons before, and you can deal with dominant seasons. And we touched on this on the show last week. And then me, personally, I can deal with McLaughlin dominating because I think we're watching something special. Hamilton dominating Formula One, yes, we're watching a great driver and a great team at work, but a lot of it is a result of – Ferrari treading on themselves time and time again and ballsing up potential race-winning opportunities and a sport which is governed by a set of regulations that is inherently geared towards the, the richest teams and the richest drivers winning every single week. At least in supercars, for all the domination, you can still be Erebus and still win. Mm. And you can be Brad Jones Racing and you can be pop up in the top five. Um F1, the rules are written so that they can't do that because if you win, you get more money and then you get more money and you can go and win and you can make your car better and it's a vicious cycle so that if you're a back market team, the chances of you engineering yourself into competitiveness is very, very disappointing. So uh, um, very, very minimal. So that's that's Formula 1. But the racing quality in supercars, I think this year has definitely struggled, Mark. And, you know, Scotty dominating aside... You want to see them all having a big crack, but it seems to me more and more the opening couple of laps have become more ferocious because they know they have to get ground as early as they can because when the race settles down, it's so hard to pass now that it just becomes a bit of a procession. And we saw that at Hidden Valley. Both races weren't overly thrilling, were they? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we obviously had the big change in rules with the the springs at the start of the year and a lot of teams still trying to figure that out. And I wonder if it'll change any once they have gotten on top of it. Back mm. to the Formula One thing. We we watched Sunday night, the end of the Nürburgring 24-hour, and I was all up on the wheel about motorsport. Like, how good is it? That was a fantastic motor race for 24 hours nonstop. 
brilliant. Mm. Wake up Monday morning. The first tweet I see is from Jonathan Noble, who's you know the doyen of Formula One journalists, and he's tweeted that testing is more exciting than watching this race. Mm. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So, no, nope, we're not going to watch that one. I'm not going to bother with the five-minute highlights on Facebook. Then the IndyCar race happens, and Rossi wins it by 30 seconds. Mm. And then you have a NASCAR race at, at Sonoma, which is normally a brilliant racetrack for the old stock cars. And it was an absolute snorer. It was no caution. So there were the two stage breaks, but that was it. And mm. uh, other than um, Cole Bush trying to chase down Martin Truex at the end, there was nothing going on. So it's been a bit of a battle uh, across the board in some of these big classes, but like you said, Chebec's MotoGP showing the way. Yeah, it certainly is. So is a gentleman then a, uh, a haves and haves not situation totally now? The, as you mentioned, Richard, the more you've got, the more dominant you're going to become and the others just won't have a chance? Uh, no, well, y- yes and no. Like I said, supercars, you can still – supercars is in a strange spot because of what's going on, A, with the Mustang and B, with McLaughlin, and we'll touch on that later. But – um, I mean, IndyCar's been very competitive this year and, and they've had, uh, what, eight races this year and six different race winners. Newgarden's the only guy that's won more than once. Um, so their, their racing's been very competitive. I think the, the Road America race was a, an exception to the rule and that was strange because that place is usually the best race of the mm. year from a, a road course point of view. So that was an anomaly, I think. The NASCAR's probably a bit the same because on the whole there's been quite a bit going on there. I think as a raft of new drivers come in, it was just weird that Formula One irks me the most. And, you know, we'll talk about it in future weeks, but supercars, it's time for the product to change a little bit, I think, to to spice up that wheel-to-wheel, hand-to-hand combat-style racing that I think we need. On that, let's let's go hot, and Mark touched on it, the that spring change, because that has delivered a change to the, the pecking order. And, and in most... Yeah, and in most instances, the narrative around that has been the Red Bull Holden Racing Team. Uh, and had we been back where we were, I have absolutely no doubts that they would be right at the front with the Mustangs contending for race victories and championships every week. So that's a hot, but as an extension of the hot, should we continue to go down that path? Do we standardise more components? Do we take those rich team tuning tweaks, the, the resourced teams is probably a better way to describe it, take that out of the equation and level the playing field a bit more. Thoughts? Well, they've already put out a tender for controlled dampers, so that's the next yep. step, isn't it, really? So uh, yep. you sort of take that out of the equation, then, um, yeah, how are you going to get smart? Because the cars are fairly similar. It would mm. just be the, the trimmings that you'll be able to sort of play with. So, mm, interesting. Uh, you know, that'll take a lot of expense out of it. Uh, I noticed that they're taking uh, a whole heap of the electric gizmos out of the pit stops. I mean, obviously, yeah. a lot of teams have already invested in that, so I don't know how much that is going to save. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're starting to get a bit keen about saving some cash, which is a good thing for the sport because uh, we need the teams to be healthy. And if they can save some cash uh, on, on these items that really don't add anything uh to the spectacle of the sport, then, yeah, it's a good thing. We don't need races to be decided by aeronautical engineers. We just want <laughs> no. mechanics to be able to put cars out on a track and have a fair race. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, and, and the, fur- and the further these supercars are going in regards to the direction they were going, as you said, they're, they're starting to pull it back a little bit now, but the direction they were going, these cars, were get- they weren't cars anymore. They were rockets. Yeah. 
they, they are, and but that's just the evolution's just gone down that way, and I, they've they've jumped on it. So, you know, time will tell to see how that all plays out. Uh, while we're talking supercars, let's just throw a blanket knot over a couple of organisations that have featured in the knot rankings in the power rankings so far this year. Uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport, that's a big knot. Techno mm-hmm. Autosport is a big knot. Uh, and aside from that brief glorious podium from Andre Heimgartner at Phillip Island and the odd shootout appearance from Rick Kelly, uh, Kelly Racing, and by by that extension, the Nissans, uh, have to be considered a knot as well. Mark, start on GRM. Uh, that That is a team in desperate search of a direction, aren't they? You know, obviously it's been well documented what happened with Garth at the start of the year and I think everyone was feeling a bit bit down and sorry for Garth, but uh, hasn't he re- rebounded well? He's picked up probably the most plum, you know, endurance co-drive you could imagine. I mean, he's going from a situation now where he would have just been out there ha- having the retirement run this year, but now he's a, an absolute red-hot crack at Bathurst and I think those triple eight cars will be very quick at the mountain. They're the mm. fastest down the speed trap at Darwin, and you think what you need at Bathurst to win, it's a fast car on the straights. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot to change there. Obviously, not ideal with uh, what's happened to Stanaway here in recent times with his neck bang out. You can't uh, build that momentum up with your driver being on the sideline. Um, it's just a tough time for a lot of these teams trying to come to grips, especially the Holden runners, with this single spring, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's the yep. thing that changed. I mean... Last year, they rolled in with the ZB, you know, a fairly different sort of package to what they're used to. And, you know, the Holdens were reasonably competitive, weren't they? So, uh, yeah, tough times for those guys, but uh, there's a lot of smart people up and down pit lane. And, um, you know, I, I think the Holdens are capable, but time will tell. And I know we spoke to Bruce Stewart a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we know that uh, Wilkinshaw and Andretti United are trying to turn it around, but should they not have been included in that not list as well? Yeah, look, they probably should have because, and I reckon they would have included themselves on it because they haven't performed uh, to the level that they set out to do this year. They said they needed to become regular winners, if not regular um, winners, regular podium finishes this season. Now, sure, the Mustangs disrupted things a little bit and the spring changes certainly helped hurt some more than it's helped um, but at the same time they've gone backwards and both their drivers outside the top 10 in the championship um, struggling to crack into the 10 um, that's that's a big question mark Shrex. and and the other one is is the techno story and, yeah. and it's been well reported this year the, the the Jack LeBrock stuff that's been going on and that, that's just it's just frustrating isn't it because we, we all know that Jack's more than capable of doing the job but he's not given the gear to do it then it's pretty difficult to criticise your driver when the machinery is not up to the not okay. up to the job. And, and you're absolutely spot on. You're not going to go into a Tour de France with a BMX bike, are you? And effectively, reckon, that's where Techno are at the moment. That car is just so uh, was so underdeveloped that it just wasn't fair. You're right, and they they were the bring they brought in their own problems. Yeah, knife to a gunfight stuff. And I, I'm frankly, I'm glad that they could put it all together to continue on and uh and you know there were some question marks as we got to tassie and phillip island and ultimately winton that that it may not sort of continue they may part ways but what they just need seat time jack needs a full season under his belt to continue on and uh i'm sure they'll be i'm sure they'll be all right in the end but yeah they're just another outfit that needs a 
a real big going over to um, to see where they're at. So speaking that, of that's sp- not there's. Well, sorry, teams that need some work. There, there certainly is. I was going to say, speaking of things that need some work, super utes, boys, uh, what can we do with those things? Big knot for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Likewise, Mark. Oh, well, I mean, what we need is about 30 more of them out there. I think that would fix uh, all the world's problems. But um, And some jumps, maybe? Think- <laughs> oh, no, they, they make their own. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, they're just expensive for what they are, so I think people sort of balking at, at the whole prospect of it, which is a shame because I think the idea behind it is very sound where they're getting these manufacturers involved, they're sponsors that want to be involved with this sort of thing, but it's just it's proven to be a bit harder than I think everyone imagined. Mm. And it's the, the, the smart teams have made it work for them. So uh, I've had long chats with Brett Peters about it and he's been a very successful advocate of the category and, uh, and it was prepared and run very good cars, and he's got sponsorship and good drivers. So some entities are able to make it work for them, but they just haven't got any more than 13 cars. And I don't know where they're going to come from to grow it to where, you know, it, it's a category, and they, they showed at Barbagello that they can put on good racing, but mm. they need, like Mark said, they need 20 cars to do it because if you've only got 12 or 13 cars and they're all spread out at the front of the field, there's no back of the field carving each other up to put on a good show. I, I would Shebex group into this not as well Aussie GT. And maybe uh, and maybe throw F four in there also. Yeah, yeah. They're they're two categories that, that need a decent hard look at themselves. F F four I honestly do not know what the solution is there because the the base isn't there to draw on to fill the grid. Um, Australian GT, there are cars around. There are big fields in production sports cars. There are lots of cars sitting in garages um, under the new management of that category. We've touched on this a couple of times in the rankings. Uh, they, for whatever they need to do, they need to find a way to get these people back into the cars and on the uh, on the racetracks because in the same way that super utes with sprint races need big fields, uh, a 500k GT race with 15 cars, uh, makes for pretty hard watching. Yeah. Mark, the, the disappointing thing about Meet for F4s is that uh, we've actually had some good young drivers come out of the category in the last four or yep. five years, uh, some guys that have gone on. Yep. The great yeah, drivers came out. Mark, great drivers came out of F3, but they never had more than 10 or 12 cars as well. Uh, I mean, you know, we, Rich, you were there the whole way through F3, and I, I was there for portions thereof, but... Uh, you know, you'd have smaller grids, but they'd be putting on a heck of a race at the front sort of thing, wouldn't they? And some mm. of the F4 races have been a bit hard to watch. You know, you'd have eight cars and they get a bit strung out and they wouldn't have that cut and thrust that you'd necessarily get back in the Formula 4 days when you'd, you know, I know from 2012 where we'd struggle to get a 13-car grid, but there'd mm. be 10 guys going for the lead. So yeah. it's tough, isn't it? I mean, that Phillip Island where they had six races... Over the weekend, yeah. I, I know what they're trying to do. They double up and make it mm. easier for everyone. But uh, since the Grand Prix, it's uh, it's been a bit of a battle, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it they'll has. have that problem again at, at Tail and Bend's. And then their season's over in July. So um, it's, it's a pretty long off-season for, uh, for Formula 4, depending on what they do. Gives them a lot of time next to year. sort things out for next year, I hope, and they can do that. Uh, back to the HOTS, gentlemen. And we, we spoke about categories and maybe they're not being, you know, that – 
that exciting racing in categories at the moment. But one thing that you can't take away from supercars is the fact that their TV ratings at the moment through Fox are absolutely skyrocketing. Yeah, they are. And we've been charting this on the racetalk.com this year because TV ratings all of a sudden take on a bit of a new meaning because Fox Sports uh, and, and the TV industry in general has been pretty open about the fact that the days of these Uber sports rights deals may well be over and that there's a tightening of the purses and that some sports are going to find their income, which is solely or mostly derived from TV ratings, uh, TV uh, deal income, uh, is going to dry up. And the obvious candidates are the A-League and, and Rugby Union, which is just both of them have horrid, horrid ratings. But... Supercars up 15% on Fox Sports year on year. Uh, only three of the races so far this year have been down on last year's numbers. Um, overall, TV ratings are up 12%. So they're, they're not just a tiny movement of numbers, are they? They are significant ratings in terms of the sports industry. And Supercars is now, when, when you get the Cricket World Cup out of the way, it's consistently behind NRL and AFL as the third most watched sports on Fox Sports. So if you're the boss of Fox and you're looking at where you're spending your hard-earned on for the next TV rights deal, you're going to look at that because it's a pretty consistent drawing sport for your sports platform and it brings subscribers to both Foxtel and to KO. So positive for the sport in in the long-term TV market, I think. It's only one year, and we'll see what happens in the, the remaining year of the TV deal, which expires at the end of next year. Another good you indicator. You know what, Rich? I was, sorry, Shebex. So yeah. I was just uh, listening to the radio the other day, and Foxtel were running ads, subscribe, and watch the supercast. Yeah. Yep. Radio ads solely devoted to supercast. Yep. That's exactly awesome. what I was going to mention. And also TV, uh, sorry, papers. If you've looked at the newspapers mm. in the last couple of weeks, there's been double-page spread with Scott McLaughlin on one page and Daniel Ricciardo or Lewis Hamilton on the other page. It's been very yep. much motorsport driving sport on Fox. Yeah, yeah, which is which is positive for the sport. And, and it's a, a completely separate discussion point on its own as to whether the whole subscription TV versus free-to-air thing is valid and there's a lot of people that do not like the fact that sport is now predominantly subscription based but the bottom line is from a sport point of view that's where the money is and that's what underwrites the sport occurring so that's where they've got to go so it's positive from a sport if numbers are up because what that will also do if they're so inclined is drag more of the free-to-way networks in come the next negotiations for tv rights so you may have more people coming to the party because they see these numbers and the potential to derive revenue from that, which is what sports is all about on TV. It's, it's a commercial enterprise. You got a uh, hot or not for me, Mark? Um, I'll throw one at you. Porsche racing. How good have the Porsches been this year in both the GT3 Cup Challenge and the Carrera Cup? Awesome. Mm, pretty solid, uh, no doubt about it. Richard, you see the GT3 Cup I don't. I only see Carrera Cup, but she was from what I'm from what I'm seeing at Carrera Cup, and from what I'm watching on TV and on the, the uh, on the the net with uh, GT3 Cup Challenge, uh, just great, close, competitive racing, exciting racing. Yep. Uh, accidents unfortunately, but you know that's that's all part of close racing. If you don't have close racing, mm. you don't have accidents. Yeah, well, I think we can just finish this little segment on a hot with with some stats, and we love a stat. Uh, 
there have been four rounds in Porsche Carrera Cup, and they've had four different winners in both the Pro and Pro-Am classes. And there have been three rounds in GT3 Cup Challenge, and there have been three different round winners in that series as well. So seven rounds of Porsche racing, seven different drivers have won them. It's just so competitive, and the racing is, well, I mean, it's balls to the wall, isn't it? Like, it's just absolutely flat out and no tyre conservation, no pace cars, really. It's so it's very, very clean for the most part. Having said that, Darwin was, was pretty ratty, but um, it, it's just flat-out motorsport with a bunch of young and some not-so-young drivers driving at 11 tenths every lap for however many laps it might be. So uh, it puts on a really, really good show. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, gentlemen, time to bring up a couple of big ones, I reckon, and as we look to, to wrap up this, and we look forward to getting the thoughts of uh, our listeners via the racetalk.com and uh, your thoughts on what we've come up with today and anything that you might be able to or you might add in that we missed out in the mid-year power rankings. But the main hot has to be Scott McLaughlin, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, how can it not be? He's crushed the field this year. It's been the most dominant season on record and, and Mark can probably add to that, but it's, it's been phenomenal to watch. And I touched on it earlier and we talked about it last week in that it has been a privilege to watch that guy go to work. Um, what I can do though, is I can, I can give a, give some statistics just on if McLaughlin wasn't in the field which I thought would be interesting. Ooh. So, yeah, with, with McLaughlin in the field, there have been four different winners this season. Without him, there's only five, so we only add one more. Um, Ford lose, they're still dominant even if Scott's there. So they've won 15 races this year of the 16. They would have won 12 without Scott. So that's that's a thing. The, the podium uh, finishes level themselves out a bit. So at the moment, it's 32-16 forward to Holden in top three finishes. That's 27-21 to 21 without McLaughlin. So Holden get a little bit more competitive. In fact, they get quite a lot more competitive. Um, Ford have swept the podium on three occasions this season. They, they would have only done it once if Scott wasn't there. Um, and this is probably the big one in that Fords have finished first and second in 12 races so far this season. Without Scott McLaughlin, it's only four. So wow. all of a sudden, the Holdens are much more competitive when you remove car 17 from the ranks. Um, DJR Team Penske's won 14 races uh, this season. They would have won seven without Scott, so Fabian would have got a couple more. Um, Tickford would have, would have won five races instead of the one. So they've been pretty good at being runner-up. Triple um, Eight have won one race this season. They would have won three without McLaughlin in the field, and Erebus would have won a race uh, with Davy Reynolds, obviously, in Darwin, whereas they haven't so far this season. So it, it's just an interesting story to paint without Scott McLaughlin being on the grid. Um, and all of a sudden, it becomes a, a much more competitive championship, Mark Walker. You know, Rich, a few years ago, some very learned motorsport people had dinner with myself at the Oxford Hotel in Bathurst uh, just before the 1000. And we had a major, major problem in the sport because Craig Lowndes was retiring. And he was the one that had the Q score. He had the popularity. He was the most popular driver for a million years running. And here he was. He was going to have to retire one day. And what were we going to do? Because Scott McLaughlin, Dave Reynolds, these guys with the uber personalities and the and the bit of a following, they never won anything. Like they'd win a race or two, but they'd never had anything solid to back it up. 
Mm. Reynolds now has a Bathurst 1000. Scotty's going to be a two-time champion after this year. It's what the sport needs. And uh, you know whether the, the dominations are, are going to turn people off, I think he's popular enough to uh, to pull it off, I reckon. Yeah. Just have you? Yeah. I'm not sure if you got those stats in front of you, Mark, but I think they were they were excellent stats that came out a couple of weeks ago, in regards to his Scots domination compared to others. Uh, do you can yeah. you just give us a quick appraisal of those? So, twelve wins from sixteen races, seventy five percent win rate for Scotty this year. The best ever in the Supercar era for a total season was Lowndes in '96 when he burst on the scenes. He won fifty three percent of the races that year. Uh, Scotty at the moment is running 88% podiums. Of course, he's got a fourth, uh, which was Simmons Plains, and the, did not start at the Grand Prix. So 88% podium rate. The best podium rate uh, in other recent time was Wink Up in 2012 with 80%. Poles is running at 69%, uh, which is up against Wink Cup's 47% from 2012. The only one that uh, he's not, Leading is uh, laps led, percentage of laps led, which was Lowndes in 96 at 56%. But mm. uh, as we mentioned, uh, the shorter races, no pit stops back then. There was no pit strategy. So Scotty at 53% is doing a very good job so far from our 781 laps versus the 510 that constituted the entire season in 1996. Mm. So some big stats. Of course, he's uh, on the streak of five wins so far. So still got a little way to go. We'll have to clean up in Townsville and Queensland Raceway to beat Lowndes' eight wins on the trot from 96, but he's well on his way at the moment. That's an amazing yeah, and domination. Shebex, the point you made before um, about uh, about him being so dominant, and, and Mark touched on it as well, 96 was the season where everyone got Craig Lowndes. So he burst onto the scene in 94 at Bathurst with that pass on JB and challenging for the win. But it was 96 where everyone went, man, this guy is incredible. Um, and he dominated. He won the championship. He won the Sandown 500 and Bathurst. And he was the second driver in history to win, quote, unquote, the Triple Crown um, after Peter Brock, his mentor. So it was a dominant season that everyone went, oh, wow, how good is this guy? McLaughlin's probably almost the reverse because it was that heartbreaking loss a couple of years mm-hmm. ago that everyone went, Oh man, this this guy's going to be a great, but he just you know he, he grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory. But this year's his his ninety six Craig Lowndes. This year is the route, and he's absolutely routing them. And and like we said, I love it. I think it's I think it's mega. He's got a full round on everybody at the halfway point of the championship, and I cannot remember the last time someone was that many points in front, especially with the way the point score is at the moment. Um, just extraordinary. Because yeah. when, when Mark Scaife was doing that, they had yeah. to change the points. That's why we went yeah. to this very yeah. tight system that we got now. So yeah. to be that far ahead is quite remarkable. The, yeah. the I just want one, a number from you guys. No other comment but a number. What is the percentage, out of obviously out of 100, that Scott McLaughlin will be racing here in Australia next year? Uh, 100. 100. You are that confident he'll be here next year? Yeah. Mark? Oh, look, I, I'd like to price this right, Richard, with 99. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I've got no feeling for it. Um, everyone's so cagey around it, isn't it? The silly season's mm. going to be pretty hot, though. So oh, it's going to be great. We'll wait and see. And, 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 hey, before, and, yeah. 
Yeah, before before we get to the knot, the biggest knot of the year so far, and everyone knows what it is, um, I think we just need a couple of honourable mentions, uh, cool. if you don't okay. mind. Yeah, please. Uh, TCR, I think, deserves an honourable mention hot For because sure. they've launched very, very well. Only a couple of rounds in, so probably too early to tell, but I, I think it's been very entertaining and they've done such a positive job of launching the way they have. Uh, and we need to give our good friend Tom Adoric a shout-out because they've had 15 years in motorsport, and it's very rare you get a sponsor committing for 15 years, uh, and well done to those guys for being in the sport that long, and we should give our mates at Truck Assist a plug as well because they've been really good um, and stepped up to the plate at Winton this year. Yep. So just a few little honourable mentions, but I think TCR needed a plug because that's been very entertaining. Can I give my good mates at Bob Jane and Michelin a, uh, a plug as well? We probably should because yeah. uh, they're going to look after me with tyre seats, so uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> that was that was my reasoning, uh, yeah, boys. The big knot, and it is just one hundred percent the biggest story in Australian motor racing this year is parity, and it's just the the Mustang for all intent purposes is just the biggest hot because it's just one of the biggest hots because it's been a fantastic introduction into the series, but uh, just everything around it and the way they've they seem to have botched up. The parody thing, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. It's just for me, probably the biggest knot of two thousand and nineteen so far. And our previous discussion on Scott McLaughlin, in in particular, going in depth in those stats, probably counters our own argument for this being the biggest knot of the year. Because, and we've argued this many times, both on the racetalk.com and on this podcast, that that it has been McLaughlin that has been clearly the dominant factor. Um, while the Mustangs are very, very good, it's it's McLaughlin that's been the, the clear difference. They'd still be winning, but Scotty's been been such a an amazing force this season, especially in qualifying. Um, but they they beat the sport at their own rules. They they had the best interpretation of the rule book that was available to them. Uh, they had the best resources. I'm talking about Ford and Tickford and Penske. Uh, and they had a fully engaged manufacturer who wanted to come back into the sport with a bang, with a new model that was going to be a game changer anyway, Did that. as the first two-door in the sport for a long time, um, and they smoked them. And instead of being praised for that, which in F1 they would, um, as a result, they've been nobbled. And But that is also the right of the sport to do that. But it's just carried on for so long and it's been such a to and fro talking point that um, by June, I think we're all sick of the P word. Oh, you know what, Rich? I think uh, people from the holding camp, that a loud voice and they spoke up and they got their message across and they stirred the pot enough and mm. enough people in Fanland listened. I mean, if this wasn't a debate, what would we be talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, good point. I mean, and to be honest, if you triple eight, you're probably thankful there's a parity debate because it's covered up some of your own deficiencies. And the same could be said for Walkinshaw and Gary Rogers Motorsport and all the teams we touched on before that are really struggling. Uh, yeah, but look, it, it's it's an inevitable fact of a category that, that mandates technical parity as one of its USPs. Um, and technical parity wasn't achieved because one, one organisation did a better job than everybody else in bringing in their new car. Um, they didn't cheat. They didn't bend the rules. They just read the rules to their maximum and exploited them perfectly, which is what motor racing is all about. I, the parity changes have been made. It changed absolutely nothing. Nothing yep. at all changed. Correct. Car 17 continued to win. Uh, 
the Holdens continue to improve and Erebus are now the second best team as of the halfway point of the season. Um, and the Kelly Racing Nissans are still absolutely nowhere. So it, the status quo has continued um, and we're not going to get an overall picture on it until the end of the season. No, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we've kicked off the discussion. Now let's see whether people can pick it up and, uh, as we said, add to it with uh, some comments on the racetalk.com about uh, the mid-year power rankings. Enjoy your week. Yeah, looking forward to Townsville. It's uh, always a good event and a couple of really good races up there in uh, some more nice warm weather. Whatever supercars do with this funky new calendar they're planning to release, as long as they keep us going north in the winter, that's uh, that's fine by me. Very oh, happy Rich, one, la- one last hot, one last hot. Ooh, hot, uh, hot. Uh, theracetalk.com, it's hot at the moment, absolutely on fire. Ah, it, it is actually going pretty well. We, we should give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back. We're the, the alternate source for uh, insights <laughs> in Australian motor racing. No, we're going all right. It's good. Yeah. Nice yeah. to have a podcast on Shebex as well. And, um, how's, how's, uh, how's Podcast Wars 2019 going, though? Oh, no. Numbers are through the roof. I'm, not, I'm sure yeah, others but... can't say that. <laughs> but there's some competition, isn't there? Oh, mate, it's amazing. Uh, we'll, and look, and, and we'll actually, it's, a that's, it's a hot to an extent, a, a final mm. one. The amount of podcasts yep. out there for motor racing at the moment, everyone going to do it, it's fantastic. Great, yep. to, great to see Blokes giving it a shot, and it's giving everyone an yep. alternate view in regards to different things. So it's good. It's great. Yep. None of them, however, have the voice of the G running the show. No, that's true. And that is their loss. No, exactly right. Uh, boys, thank you so much. Appreciate it once again. We'll do it all next week. Preview of Townsville coming boys. up. Ciao. Richard Crow, Mark Walker joining us here on the grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Well, that wraps up another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, we've got plenty of podcasts available at mypodcasthouse.com, including On The Turnbuckle. If you're into professional wrestling, that's the place to go. Jump onto the website, mypodcasthouse.com, and check out our podcast, On The Turnbuckle. It's there for you now. We'll catch you next week with another episode of On The Grid, a big preview of Townsville coming up. Catch you then.